The year 2020 has been a year of change. Global changes have included COVID-19 pandemic which has resulted in us all having to change our ways, especially with traveling on a global scale. Cutting down air traffic has bound many to their place when the regulations came. The world is not as small or open anymore as it used to be. On a regional scale, there have been wildfires and other natural catastrophes. In societies, some people have demanded rights that they should have by default, more visibly than in years, and there have been demonstrations and confrontations in many places around the world. Individually, people have also gone through changes. Some have lost or quit their job, some found a new one. Some have faced economic challenges and some have overcome them. Relatives, family members and friends have passed away and babies have been born. Relationships have been broken and new have been formed. We haven't been able to see some people important to us physically, but we've been able to connect to them and many others via technology. Children have had to do learning outside of school context and stay away from their important social groups. Adults have had to learn working from home, some meanwhile helping their children in education. We all have faced changes of some kind this year, big or small. We face changes normally also, but this year it has been more rapid, more serious and more visible, and more in number and ways. My name is Jani Kontkanen and you are listening to Mitä Pelataan podcast. This series is called Paragons of Change. It's a series of interviews with people from board gaming sphere whom I've noticed going through changes in recent times. We talk about change and what they have changed in their lives. By default, we do not claim we state facts. We only talk from our own points of view and our opinions. As the discussion might take a negative note at times, we try to finish with a positive by giving you a top 9 list of games. The topic of the list has been chosen by the guest and we will have a battle of the lists after the episode airs in my social media channels. You, dear listener, are encouraged to comment and vote on the lists to see which one of us did better. The award is pride and fame among the small listener base this podcast has. Now, let's invite our paragon for today. Today in the Paragons of Change series, we have our sixth guest, Mike. Welcome. Thank you. Proud to proud to be here. Happy to be here. The sixth guest. Uh, I don't know if there's any kind of special uh, significance with being the sixth guest. You're not quite the fifth guest. You're not the tenth guest. But I'll take what <laughs> I can get. Six guests is fine. You were the sixth one in order that we are able to arrange time, so... <laughs> That's what it means. Yeah, I guess that's true. You're actually directly after another Florida retiree, Stephen Bonacor. He was the fifth one, so... Oh, I gotta tell you, if I had known that that was the case, I'm not sure that I could have agreed to come on. Uh, if, if, I've got to follow, <laughs> if I've got to follow the podfather of gaming, as he insists on being called now. Uh, but yes, no, it's, it's, uh, that's, that's perfectly uh, fine. Uh, I look forward to hearing that episode as well. Uh, it it was quite fine, at least in my opinion. We talked about how Florida is, but I will ask the same questions from you because that was an interesting topic. Okay. And you haven't heard it yet, so you don't know what he said. I have That's no good. idea. No idea what he said. So yeah, you can hit me with that. No problem. Uh, by the way, if people don't know who you are and what do you do, who are you and what do you do in the board game field? 
Well, uh, my name is Mike Delicio, and uh, for almost a year, not quite a year, uh, I work full-time for the Dice Tower, uh, which is primarily a YouTube channel, also a uh, podcast network with a number of different podcasts that are part of it, including uh, one that I do. Uh, I do a podcast with Dan Hughes called Sporadically Bored with Mike and Dan. So uh, I do that, and then I work full-time, like I said, with Dice Tower. I do video editing and content creation. I tend to mostly do solo-based reviews for the channel, although I've done uh, others as well, and I do a lot of live stream shows with them as well. So that's what I do. You said that you've worked there for about a year. Mm -hmm. What did you do before? You were a teacher in a high school and something like that, right? Yes, that's correct. I was a, a high school teacher for almost 20 years, and I was living in Indiana at the time, which is you know kind of the Midwest uh, of the United States. And uh, although I was not from Indiana, I had been living there for a, a pretty good period of time and, and teaching in a high school, uh, social studies, so history, sociology, things along those lines. And, you know, while I was doing that, I was also creating my own uh, board game content on my own YouTube channel called Solo Mode Games, which were almost exclusively uh, playthroughs of solo games. But I also did segments on Board Game Breakfast for uh, Dice Tower, and that's how I kind of got in with them. I also would work at their booths uh, at multiple conventions, and that's how I got to know Tom primarily was through working at, uh, at the Dice Tower booth at conventions. So... Uh, when an opportunity arose there at the Dice Tower, I kind of put my hat in the ring and, and uh, was fortunate enough to be given the opportunity. What made you decide this way? I was listening to Sporadically Pod and mm -hmm. you were saying that you are getting bored with the job and I knew that you're going to apply for Sam's spot. Maybe you somehow made him move away from there so you get the spot. <laughs> I was certain that, that you were saying that I have some new plans and such. I was certain that you will go to Samspot because you are a perfect match, in my opinion, hmm. to that team. And it's very good to have you there, in my opinion. Well, that's remarkably kind. I appreciate that. The, the, you know, the, the truth is, and I know that the, it, this just sounds like it's being you know, diplomatic, but the truth is that I didn't take Sam's spot. Uh, what I do is pretty yeah. significantly different than what Sam was doing. Uh, I do, you know, quite a bit more video editing work um, than, you know, Sam was mostly focused on doing his his own reviews on the channel. And also, you know, he was a big part of the top tens and, and things along those lines. And so while it's really gratifying and flattering to hear that people have enjoyed <laughs> uh, what I've brought, it really isn't a, a replacement of Sam type of a thing. But what made me do it was... Um, I don't know. It was a big. It was a big uh, risk. It was a big kind of leap of faith that I took, and uh, it was frightening. And <laughs> I didn't, you know, know if it was going to work, and I didn't know how I was going to be received at all uh, at the Dice Tower, both mostly by the um, by the audience, you know, because the, the the core group of Dice Tower people I had gotten to know at least pretty well through interacting with them at conventions. Like I already knew. Z relatively well. I already knew Tom relatively well. I already knew Kenny relatively well. I already knew Roy mm -hmm. relatively well. And they are the kind of the core group. And so mm -hmm. I wasn't as worried about kind of getting along with them. 
I was more worried about how am I going to be accepted because I knew there was going to be kind of this perception of, oh, Mike is taking that spot, which is, again, it's just it's just not the case. And anyone who's watched will kind of see that that's not the case. I'm not doing what Sam did before. I'm doing something different. Um, but what I think is great is that Tom is very good at a lot of things, one of which is keeping things fresh on the channel. And I think he's mm-hmm. done a really good job of pivoting uh, in a number of ways. He pivoted when uh, Sam decided to to uh, take on a different opportunity. He pivoted when mm-hmm. the coronavirus hit and, you know, he started things like the daily chats and we've since moved from those to, to different shows. But mm-hmm. um, it's been interesting. And, you know, it, th- this for my first kind of year at the Dice Tower, it's not been a traditional year because, you know, normally the Dice Tower works somewhat <laughs> on a convention cycle, right? I mean, I would have, yes. on, in a normal year, I would have gone to probably five or six conventions by now, and that's not happening. And so we've had to kind of pivot and adjust, and we've done a lot more live streaming, and we've done a lot more of the virtual events that, that kind of, it's never going to take over. It's never going to replace those things, but hopefully it helps alleviate some of the lack of interaction that you would get so i don't know if i answered your question yanni i guess it was just i took a chance and uh you know i'm still still trying my best to find my my place yeah you answered it quite well and actually i think it works well that uh there are two video editors because you and roy both are doing that job i think it really makes it easier for especially tom to make some content absolutely earlier yeah, absolutely, and 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 we've got a, a a pretty clear distribution of labor. I mean, there are particular shows and aspects that you know Roy is the main video editor. He's got the bulk of the yeah. video editing work because he does all of Tom's reviews in addition to a number of other things. And you know, so and I've got mm-hmm. my particular things. I do the Monday board game breakfast. I do um, the, uh, the the werewolf shows now. I do the unboxing mm-hmm. channel. So we each kind of have our roles. And like I said, Tom yeah. has new ideas and the, and the team will come up with new ideas. And those just get assigned to whoever is best equipped to take on more at that particular time. So, yeah, mm-hmm. having two video editors is essential, uh, I, I would say, at this point, to put the amount of content that we put up. Yeah, it's a ridiculous amount. And I think it <laughs> works well what you're doing now in the channel. I appreciate that. What was the hardest thing for you to leave behind in the teaching job? You were teaching 20 years and I heard from board game snobs that you were already coming to us a point that you either quit teaching or do something else and you didn't want to become like uh, the teacher that feels that the teaching is stale. Right. Was it in I don't I'm, I might be mixing with sporadically but anyway, <laughs> however, I heard your voice this week. <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> right. Some, somewhere. I hope it wasn't in a dream. Uh, but um, <laughs> what was the hardest thing to leave behind, work-wise? Yeah, no, I think it was on, on the snobs, uh, although that whole experience was a fever dream. I'm still trying to recover from that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think what it was was that I I knew that I had not gotten to a point where I was burned out yet. You know, that's a big – burnout is something that happens in, in or can happen in any career. But I think there are certain careers that are more yes. – uh, 
it's more likely for something like that to happen. And teaching is one of them. Mm -hmm. And I'd seen the signs and I had also worked with a number of people that had gone on probably five, 10 years longer than they should have. And I saw how it affected Mm -hmm. them and I saw how it affected their classroom and I saw how it affected the students that had to deal with that burnout every day. And so I was being Mm -hmm. very, um, I guess I was trying to be very observant about my own feelings, my own behavior. And I knew that I had not reached that point yet, but I was getting close and I was Mm -hmm. just convinced that I wasn't going to allow myself to get there. And so the hardest thing, the biggest thing that I missed was kind of this aspect of, well, first of all, there's a, there's a bit of routine. There's a bit of a comfort level Mm -hmm. in that routine. Like I felt like I had achieved a level of mastery. And that's probably, that's probably the biggest thing that I missed. Mm -hmm. I felt like I had achieved a level of mastery in my job. I felt like I had gotten to the point where there was very little that was going to trip me up. Almost anything that somebody threw at me, I felt like I either had dealt with it before or I had enough of a grasp of what I was doing that I could devote enough energy to that. And a lot of other things were kind of on cruise control, you know, that they Mm -hmm. weren't on cruise control in the first five years of teaching where every day is this huge learning curve. So when I came to the Dice Tower, I felt like I was starting at zero and there was a massive, massive learning curve. And there still is, Yanni. I mean, every single day. I'm having to learn something new. I'm having to teach my, you know, either teach myself something new or I'm having to go to Roy or Tom or, or somebody to, to, to kind of mm-hmm. build up my, uh, my skill level and my, my skill set. And so that's the biggest thing mm-hmm. I miss is I don't, I, I don't at this point feel uh, a level of mastery of what my work is, especially on the video editing end. Uh, you know, I came into it and I was, you know, I was honest with Tom about this. I, I didn't have a huge background in that. Um, but as you know, he was just, his thing was, look, if you're willing to learn, if you're willing to put in the work, um, which I, I feel like I have been, I hope I have been, then, then everything was going to mm-hmm. be fine. And so that's still where I'm at. I'm still a year in, but I feel like I have so much more to learn. How about you said that, um, you raised the level where you might become burnout and you mm-hmm. reached the level of mastery. How about if you had to make the decision right now? You mm-hmm. would have had half a year of Corona and everything, <laughs> very interesting sure. things for the teaching also. Would you still feel that um, you had the mastery in the work if you had to do this distance teaching? Would Do you think that it would have made you more refreshed in the work? I totally understand what you say about yeah. the burnout thing and especially teachers having that. And it's not good for the kids if the teachers are burnt out because you see the motivation of a teacher and it sticks to you. Exactly. And that's not good. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting question. Um, I I have talked to current teachers, you know, as they're kind of dealing with with this situation. And what's really interesting was that at the school that I was teaching at, on a completely unrelated note that had nothing to do with coronavirus, because th- that wasn't a thing yet, they had begun mm-hmm. training all of the staff on distance learning, um, and but mm-hmm. it was related to snow days which in the midwest is very much a thing and so the idea was if you can have a virtual learning environment already established when the kids can't come to school because of inclement weather you can still teach and you don't lose those days or you don't have to add days on to the Mm -hmm. end of the school year so i don't think 
that it would have been an issue of mastery because I, I feel like I know exactly what I would have done in a virtual learning environment. Mm -hmm. And I also think that if anything, I would have had a leg up because I was already making videos. You know, I was making board game videos. So I have no, you know, I I didn't have any discomfort with the idea of being in front of a camera and teaching because to some extent, when you're doing a playthrough, you're doing teaching, right? Yeah. You're doing it in Mm -hmm. in a, in a less structured way in a more informal way. But that aspect of things don't, don't worry me on a, on a mastery level. How they do worry me is that, I know that that is not an optimal way to learn for a lot of students. And so I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like teachers right now are going from an already challenging job to a remarkably difficult job because there are some teachers that are having to do 100% virtual, okay, which is its own set of challenges. Then there are other teachers that have all of their kids back in the classroom, which has a now additional set of challenges to, you know, take coronavirus out of the mix. It's a challenging job, but now add that to it. It's even more challenging. Mm -hmm. Then there are other teachers that are having to do a combination of both where they've got, you know, maybe 30% of their students in the classroom, 70% of their students virtual. To me, that's a nightmare scenario. Uh, Could I have done it? Absolutely. (laughs) But that would be really, I mean, the, the amount of additional work and effort and struggle and challenges that a teacher would have to face in a hybrid scenario like that are hard to even uh, vocalize. So I don't know that it would have helped with the burnout. I think it may have added a sense of, okay, uh, you you have to, 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 to bear down and you have to focus and you have to redouble your efforts. And certainly there would be no sense of complacency uh, at that point, but I don't mm-hmm. think it would have, give, I don't think it would have kind of reignited a, a, an interest in, in what I was doing. I hadn't lost my interest at that point. I just knew that the, the warning signs yeah. were there. What was the hardest thing to leave behind otherwise than work? Well, there, there were people that were important that are important to me, uh, in, in mm. that, in that part of the world. And that's the hardest thing to leave behind is, is trying to maintain relationships in, in, with distance that's very difficult to do. So, uh, you know, cause mm-hmm. really the only person that came down here was my wife. Now, obviously that's an extremely significant and important person to me, <laughs> but, uh, there are other important people that, uh, are still in Indiana. But that being said, I also have important people in my life in many other parts of the country as well. I have people in California and mm-hmm. Nevada and New York. And so, uh, you know, it can be done, but, it, it it just means that I have to be more diligent than ever in trying to, to keep those relationships uh, going. And, and, you know, that can be challenging from, from a distance and especially at a time like now where people's nerves are kind of yeah. fraught and uh, there's other challenges. Are there any things that you were happy to leave behind? <laughs> yes, I will say that. There are things I was happy to leave behind. Care to say some? Sure. Um I want to preface this by saying that there are good, <laughs> good and bad things, and I do mean this. There are good and bad things in every uh, everywhere that I've lived. Now, I am not a world yeah. traveler. I've never lived outside of the United States, and I envy people that have lived uh, for you know significant periods of times in other cultures. Um, so there are good and bad things everywhere I've lived. But in Indiana, 
the things that I will not miss are the winters. I was never a fan of, uh, of the extreme cold and the ice. Even the snow, which a lot of people love the snow, to me was nothing more than a novelty. And as long as if it had snowed one day a year, it would have been great. <laughs> Uh, but it didn't snow one day a year. It snowed, it snowed significantly more than that. So I don't miss that. Um, I don't. How cold is extreme cold? Um, well, I, I, you're going to have to convert it. Or you're you're, a, you're on the Celsius system, I assume. Yes. Yes, of course, like rest of the world. <laughs> no, not like the rest of the world, sir. Um, <laughs> extreme cold. You know, it would get uh, below zero Fahrenheit. Um, it would get into the negative uh, z- degrees Fahrenheit. Not on a regular basis, but I would say in the in the winter. So for a number of months, it would be, you know, in and around the thirty degrees or below uh, in that region. Uh, well, let's say forty degrees and below Fahrenheit, uh, and you'll have to do that conversion for me. Um, but cold, zero and it could minus, what's zero, that? Zero Fahrenheit is minus eighteen degrees. Okay. It's like normal winter day here. Ah, see, now that's we true. Minus 30 degrees, so... Now that's true. I'm speaking to somebody that, that you're not... This is not going to... You're not going to be impressed by these numbers, by, by any means. <laughs> um, but yeah. I don't miss that. And so, honestly, although I would love to... to no, what, what, what area specifically, if you're comfortable in saying this, what area specifically do you live in? In eastern Finland. Okay, eastern Finland. So, so, so we have... We have four full seasons. All of them are about three months. So it's really, I really enjoy it that we have all the seasons. Here. Okay. Well, that is. Now we have beautiful autumn. Everywhere is yellow and red, and it's like the trees are burning. Yeah. But and that is gorgeous. It, it looks really fantastic. And we don't get that here. And that is something that I will miss um, is the autumn uh, because that's my favorite. Uh, that is my favorite season of the year, and we, mm-hmm. you know, there's 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 not seasons as such in Florida, and there weren't really seasons as such in California, which is where I was born and raised. So, mm-hmm. um, while I would love to visit, uh, you know, your region of the world, because I also uh, have some familial connections, at least to that general region. My my mother's side of the family is mm-hmm. from uh, from Norway. Uh, I'd love to visit. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would like to live there just because I think the weather would be tough. But I don't know. I, I'd be <laughs> open to, to, to anything. So anyway, I, I've completely lost my train of thought. I do this all the time. <laughs> we have warm houses here, so it's not bad in the winter. You are in the, It's actually really good that you're in minus 30 degrees outside. Then you come inside and inside is 25 if you warm the, with the wood or something. Yeah. So the isolation in houses is so good here that it's not even a problem. At hmm. all here, so you don't you don't dread you don't dread going having to go outside to to get groceries or no. to do anything because I tell you when when it's that cold I don't want to leave the house I basically I don't want to <laughs> chip I don't want to chip the ice off my car I don't want to deal with the the wet and the slush and you know it just to me I didn't grow up in it you know I, and I think that that may have something to do with it I that was not something yeah. that. I grew up in a extremely warm climate, and so to me that was a bit of a culture shock, and it wasn't one that I particularly particularly enjoyed. Now my kids were born and raised in that region, and I know especially my youngest son loves the winter and loves the sun and all that. Or excuse me, the snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, but but to me mm-hmm. that was never anything that I necessarily enjoyed. I would much prefer being at a beach. I would much prefer 
the, the this kind of climate, the kind of tropical climate, or the even the the I don't know if I love the desert climate, although I've lived in it. It's just more familiar and comfortable to me than the extreme cold. So I won't miss that. I won't miss some of the, and I want to be very careful here. I won't miss some hmm. of the. Um, I don't know how to put it, Yanni, uh, while trying to be diplomatic. People. Well, yeah, there were just some cultural elements of the Midwest, of that area of the Midwest that I didn't particularly love. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I grew up in a very um, kind of a diverse area, diverse background. I'm not saying that it's completely homogenous there, but it is more so than in other areas that I've lived. And so there mm-hmm. were some mindsets that I came across that I didn't particularly enjoy. Um, although I would say it got better the longer I lived there. So anyway, those are some things I won't miss. All right. Um, now I have to ask, you talked about it in the Board Games Knobs podcast also. <laughs> uh-huh. I never knew it, but you have also been a neurotic dancer <laughs> in a club. Did you say neurotic dancer? Yes. Uh-huh. What is neurotic dancing and how it is done? Can you tell me? I got to tell you, I think you're going to have to ask Jerry about this because this is something that, like many, many things on the Board Game Snobs podcast, came solely and completely from his twisted and demented mind. So um, the the idea of me being a professional dancer in any capacity is hilarious to me <laughs> because I'm not a good dancer. I'm very, very self-conscious about it, more so than I should be, I think. Uh, so the idea of me making a living at dancing is hilarious. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, that was a funny. That was a funny uh, idea. Um, the, the I think if I had to make a living at doing any type of dancing, uh, neurotic, erotic, uh, otherwise, <laughs> I would be destitute because nobody's going to be paying money to see me dance. Not even in Florida. <laughs> Not even, not even in Florida. No, uh, especially now at my, you know, advanced years. I mean, not that, uh, not that in my earlier years I necessarily, you know, would have been a better candidate for that. Because if anything, as I've gotten older, I my eyesight has gone down for sure, and I'm maybe a little bit uh, slower on the uptake than I used to be. But I'm actually in better shape than I was at many points in my life. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I'd be closer to what they're looking for on the dance floor there, although still not anywhere near what people want, but uh, still can't dance. Can't dance, Yanni. Just not in me. <laughs> Florida is um, represented, at least in the series. Like We are now watching uh, Seinfeld from the beginning. We are in the end of third season now with the wife, and they have the parents in Florida, and it seems that there are these <laughs> communities of elderly people that they just enter each other's houses and They decide everything together, and I heard in sporadically about how difficult it was to get a flat or apartment uh-huh. in Florida. Yes, uh, is it is it like that? Is it like a retirement heaven that when you retire you have to go to Florida? Well, first of all, I, I, again I've said this before. I can't consider myself any type of a, a uh, an expert or an authority on Florida as I've been here so uh, for such a short period of time. But I'll tell you that in the United States in general. That uh, that kind of uh, I'm struggling for the word um, that perception is well known. Okay, there's there's kind of this idea that uh, you have what are called snowbirds. I don't know if you have you heard that term before. No. I don't okay, know so a snowbird is generally speaking a retired person or people who 
lived in an in an area of the world that has rough winters. A lot of times you're thinking of mostly the Northeast. So kind of the, the mm-hmm. New England states, New York, New Jersey, you know, where Bonacore basically came from. And what mm-hmm. snowbirds would do is after they would retire, they would have a place in Florida and they might stay up in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, whatever the case may be, during the summer months where it's remarkably hot down here. But then in the winter months mm-hmm. where it would get cold there, they would travel down. And so they would be kind of, uh, they, they would live in two different areas during different times of the year. And so that is mm-hmm. a thing. That very much is a thing. But you also do have a large number of people that are uh, elderly, you know, they're, they're of retired years and, and beyond, that have just moved to Florida because they don't want to deal with the... Uh, the, the weather anymore in whatever area that was inclement that they were living in before. So I, I have seen some of that. I have seen some evidence of that. I'm also fascinated that you said you're in year three, season three of Seinfeld. Yeah. And you haven't seen a, have one episode a, any of the other seasons? No. Uh, we watched them when we were young, but we don't remember either one of ah, us. Okay. Okay. Well, you've got so much... So much joy ahead of you, I got to tell you. Seinfeld is probably my favorite TV show of all time. So, um, yeah, there's there's uh, there's definitely a culture of retired people that have come down to Florida. There's no two ways about it. And also, Florida, mm-hmm. like the state that I grew up in, California, has very different cultures depending on which part of the state you're in. You know, the, the panhandle mm-hmm. is much more of kind of like a deep south, uh, which is odd because it's the northern part of the state. But it has more of the culture of the deep south, like, you know, Alabama and Mississippi and Louisiana. And then mm-hmm. the extreme south part of Florida, where I'm at, has uh, more of the kind of the, the, the Cuban culture uh, and things along those lines. And then in the mid part of the state has a completely different culture that I still don't really know much about. So. It's, it, there's a whole lot going on in Florida. Yeah. We have these snowbirds also here, if that's the term. The ah. Finnish people, when they retire, they move to Spain or Portugal ah. now. It's trendy. And there's actually in Fuengirola, it's a city in the uh, like very south, in the Costa del Sol area in Spain, and there's a Finnish neighborhood. Ah. <laughs> because Finns have been running running away there for tens of years. Wow. So there's a like a huge community there. Yeah, it, so we have them too. It makes sense. Yeah, that 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 snowbirds term is just that's probably just an American thing. But I I would imagine that that kind of that idea is something that happens around the world. Yeah, we have them also, mostly because of the winters and the elderly people don't want to spend the winters here, especially if they are in south of Finland because it might snow one day, the next day there might be ten centimeters of wet snow, mm. and then it might freeze, and it's it's really bad there in the winter. At some sometimes, but here we have proper proper snow, so I'm fine with this. I would would hate the southern Finland also. Proper snow, meaning that it snows all the time and the snow never goes away. That that's the proper snow. It stays at least three months. <laughs> okay, okay, and you don't you don't get by the end of that three months. Towards the end of that three months, are you over it at least? Are you at the point where you're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for this to go away now. Or do you just love the snow? Are you are you somebody that that'd be happy with more snow? No, three months is enough. <laughs> let's say as long as it goes away quickly and we, I don't have to struggle with the wet snow. It's Got fine. it. Yeah, the, the wet snow is, but, is 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 the worst. 
Yeah, it's the worst, really. And we don't really have any sun here either in Christmas time. Oh. There's maybe four hours of sunlight, so that's very interesting. If there wasn't snow, we would be in total darkness here, and that would be bad. Novembers are really bad here, and very depressing Ooh. if there's no snow. Yeah. Because it's just black. I, I hadn't considered that. Now, here's another question, although I'm sorry, I, I'm a guest on your podcast. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, going, no, into no my, I'm going into my asking questions mode. <laughs> you know, I, I think I've mentioned this before, maybe on Sporadically Bored, but, you know, there's this thing where you can kind of tell the importance of something in a particular culture by the number of ways that it's expressed in their language. And so um, mm-hmm. how many are, I, I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, but do you have a lot of different words for snow in the Finnish language? You know, for us, we've got snow, we've got slush, which would be like the wet snow. And then beyond mm. that, I don't know that we've even got another word for snow. We have, At least not one that I can think of off the top of my head. How Do you have multiple words for the different kind of states of snow and viscosities of snow and all this yes. type of stuff? Yes, the uh. different states and if it's hard snow or is it, if, it, if it's fresh snow or if it's wet snow or um, like a heavy snow or zero temperature snow that you can make a snowman out of. And also for most weather things, we have wow. hundreds of <laughs> sayings. So everything different with the weather. We love talking about wow. weather because we don't know how to talk about anything else here. <laughs> <laughs> we just, when we see a stranger, we say that it's a nice weather today, <laughs> right? And the other one says, yep. And that's it. Well, at least in the that's that's kind of like a stereotypical Finnish person, but I'm in North Karelia, so we are a bit more talkative than Finns in general. Gotcha. Yeah, the, the, that that kind of stoicism is 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 kind of a a uh, so that's true. That kind of idea of the kind of the stoic uh, Northern European Scandinavian cultures. I mean that 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 is true. That's not that's not uh, overblown. No, not really. But Swedes are not like that. Swedes are just, they know everything and they want to <laughs> represent themselves that way. But that's another discussion. Yes, it's yes. about the lovely, lovely neighbors in the West. Correct. Um, <laughs> but I'm almost at the Russian border, actually. You're a history teacher, I have to say. I'm living exactly where this, you know about Second World War, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So the, in, during the war, Finland had this... A uh, line at the east of Finland mm-hmm. that went for like thousand kilometers from the Lapland to the south. Okay. I'm living next to that. Really? The stones from that border are uh, two hundred meters from my house, actually. Is that and right? There's a museum. That, yeah, there's a museum where there is a real bunker where we were supposed to stop the enemy's advance if they came this far, but they didn't come this wow. far from this point in Finland. So it's. It's a quite historical place. Yeah, no kidding. You're, you're living. You you kind of have that uh, that living remembrance right there. That's pretty cool. Mm. And the Panzer, what are they called? These huge rocks that are supposed to block the uh, tanks. They are still in place, and you are not allowed to move them. They are in a way really? saved here. They go along the coastline there, next to the lake. Now, are they? It's actually quite cool. Do they keep them there just kind of as a, a sign of respect and remembrance of of that time period in history and and Finland's role in it? Yeah, it's like this was the last line of yeah, defense. Yeah, some have been mo- moved here, but they're very uh, much around this suburb where we live in. There are not ma- that many people. There's maybe 
to 3,000 people living in this suburb where we live. Mm-hmm. But those stones are still in lines here where they were. And they are just part of the area. Interesting. And it's actually quite interesting. What's the nearest large city that you live that you live by? Uh, we live in Joensu city. It's the largest. Okay. Um, there's 75,000 people okay. in this okay. municipality. Interesting. Okay. It's large enough. It's the capital of North Karelia, so it's quite fine place. Yeah. I wouldn't move away if I didn't have to. Gotcha. Well, I hope you don't have to then, Yanni. I'd like you to stay where you want to be. That's my hope for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> How about the whole year? It has been colored by coronavirus, sure. like we all know. And how has it been visible in where you live in Florida? And is the situation getting any better there, or is it getting worse or staying the same? Yeah, so uh, it, it's interesting. First of all, here's another thing that I don't know if if, if you had a similar situation. Um, I don't know if this is a cultural thing. I, I mean, so I'm, I'm not even sure if this is mm-hmm. like America, you know, as it relates to, to, to Finland or if it's just uh, cultural things. But I had a hard time, first of all, talking about the coronavirus in the first few months of it. I felt like it was almost something that why I you know, that's a great I was I, I, I felt like it was something that it was like almost too sensitive of a, to- of a topic. Yeah. And so I don't know if, if you sensed that at all in and around you. And if, and I'm not speaking for America. I want to make that clear. I just know that I personally and many of the people that were around me were really kind of hesitant to talk about it because it was almost taboo, maybe, but just more of too sensitive of a topic. Right. And so that has changed. What is yeah, that, it's that, actually quite scary that a sm- small virus can come and ruin <laughs> everyone's lives. Absolutely. And but but it is also interesting too now where it has become something that is I, I don't really love the phrase the new normal. That's I don't know if there's any, you know, mm. an analogous thing to in, in your in your language, but that's thing yeah. that's things that are getting thrown around here a lot is you know, we're living in the mm-hmm. new normal. Well, A, I don't necessarily accept that, and I don't love that that, that phrase, but I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing is the, the discussion of it has become normalized, and you're seeing it discussed in commercials yes. and in popular culture, and you're even seeing people joke about it now. And so there's this idea that, that as, as it's gone on, although it's certainly something that, that has caused a tremendous amount of uh, grief to, to the people who... who have loved ones who have been lost or, or even sickened by it. Um, there is also this idea that, mm-hmm. look, this is something that is uh, global. It's universal. We're all uh, dealing with it. And therefore, it becomes something that we can now kind of discuss. And so that's one thing that's been interesting. Mm-hmm. But as the year has gone on, uh, Florida, for at least this area of Florida, uh, a few months back, I would say maybe four or five months back, was one of the hot zones in the United States. And in, in, therefore, mm-hmm. one of the hot zones in the world. The area that I was living mm-hmm. was a very, very, very high rate of new cases every day. And let me tell mm-hmm. you, you had to go out of your way to not hear that on a on an hourly basis. <laughs> uh, you had to basically disconnect from anything to not hear that constantly. But as time mm-hmm. has gone on, and as we are right now, Florida is actually, especially, you know, I don't want to say especially, but even in the region that we're in, 
in southern, extreme southern Florida, is not one of the hot spots. And they are Mm -hmm. reopening quite a bit. Now, people are going to debate whether it's reopening too soon, too fast, too much. That's I'm not even going to get into that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, mask wearing is still uh, pretty much standard in indoors and in areas where there are, you know, groups of people. So that still is being Mm -hmm. seen. Um, but I do think just based on what I'm seeing anecdotally, more people are going out, more people are going to restaurants, more people are going to grocery stores because I'll tell you what I saw a few months ago was when, when I would go to a grocery store, you would see Mm -hmm. a huge amount of people that were doing the, the mobile shopping for others, right? You know, the, the, the grocery delivery mm-hmm. services. I basically would see more of them than actually people that were shopping for themselves. And, and I'm seeing less mm-hmm. of that now, although I'm still seeing it. I'm seeing less of it now. So I do think that um, right now things are kind of slowing down a bit. Now, we've also obviously have seen around the world that there are second waves that are happening and, and areas where they were getting almost no new cases now are getting more again. And there's this idea of, Oh, we let our guard down too soon. And we, you know, kind of allowed ourselves to get back to where we were before. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an immunovirologist, none of those things. uh, And I don't pretend to be by any means, but, I just kind of try to be observant of what I see around me. Mm-hmm. It's the same here. I I think we didn't take re- uh, restrictions early enough this autumn because we've now let, as a country, we've let it go higher and higher the numbers. Now we are already in higher numbers than in April. Ah. And in April we had already been more than two weeks on lockdown. And you asked that how it is here about this talking about it. Uh, I think the government and everything has been quite open and it has been in media so much that it becomes boring Mm. and it's possible to talk with friends. But it's a bit of a taboo. If you get the coronavirus, you don't say that you have it. Oh, interesting. It feels like that because people are putting stamps on the others, especially in a small place. Sure. Two cases and someone knows who those two are. They are blaming them because all the coronas that came here came from traveling. Got it. The people who went went on this spring holiday to ski somewhere in Austria or to Italy, they brought them back here. I got it. And it's it's really easy here to keep the distances because we have lots of space. If we want to keep distances, we know how to keep distances. <laughs> sure. Because we are like that as a as a country. But right. Now this, I don't know how this autumn will go. Maybe we will be in lockdown in Christmas, and that's not good. Actually. Yeah, yeah. No, it's of course not. It's already so boring in the oh, winter. Absolutely, yeah. No, that's that's really interesting. I guess I hadn't considered that. Yeah, that there's there's going to be a much bigger stigma there, uh, because, like you said, if you got it, you know that it came now here in, in around here. You know, if, if, if someone were to correct, can contract the coronavirus, it could be, well, they went shopping or they got gasoline mm. for their vehicle or, you know what I mean? There's there's just not that same, mm-hmm. at least uh, speaking for myself, you know, the, I don't sense that yeah. same um, stigma. I sense more of a, oh, that poor person, they got unlucky. You know what I mean? Um, mm. Because, there you know, you'll hear stories of people that were like, hey, look, I wore a mask everywhere I went. I was always careful and I still got it. You know, that's a... 
that's mm-hmm. a pretty common narrative that you hear is that anybody can get it. You know, you try to be as careful as you can. You try to be as prudent as you can, but you, 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 mm-hmm. you can't, there's no way other than unless you just stay in your house 24 seven, you know, uh, you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're taking some type of risk. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. In the city where I'm at currently, we had 16 cases all spring, mm. then two in the summer, and now we are at 41. In two weeks, it doubled. Wow. And it, that's interesting. Just someone brought it from somewhere, from a trip to a, to the main hospital here, and that's not a good thing. No, 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 not at <laughs> no, all. There's hundreds of people in quarantine, and I don't know. But yeah. luckily, there's just one or two cases every day, so they all didn't get the disease. That's good. Yeah, no, that's good. And 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 it's all a matter of scope, right? Because I think you know Florida yeah. would be over the moon thrilled if they were <laughs> getting forty cases a day. Yeah, you know yeah. that would be like you yeah, know yeah. That, that that would be front front page news. So yeah, it's all a matter of scope. Yeah, yeah. We had in the whole region we had three cases. Wow. Between uh, June and August, midway August. Wow, that that's actually very. We did so good here. We were able to do everything without any regulations here in the summer. And it seems that when autumn came, we forgot that yeah. people came from the summer holidays and like that. But let's see how it goes. Right. I hope it goes well. I do too for everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long year. It has. <laughs> uh, how about the, because the world has been changing this year and i think that many things have been changing in the world mm-hmm. and in usa some other things than in elsewhere in the world uh, what do you think about change is it a good thing is it a bad thing is it situational and how does it show if you think let's say globally mm-hmm. change in general well i mean i think that it, i think Situational is a good way to put it. I do think it's situational. I think mm-hmm. change that you have, I guess I would put it like this, change that you have some agency over, I think is good. Um, in other words, mm-hmm. change that you have initiated for whatever reason, you know, whether you, you, know, you, you feel like something in your life needs to be changed or whether you feel like a, um, a particular... I don't know. I guess just what I'm saying is, is that change is situational. You know, there are, there are times that you have to change mm-hmm. based off of things that you don't feel like you have a lot of agency over. And the coronavirus would be a perfect example of that. You know, there was a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of pushback against the, the change that was being requested of people because, you know, it, it was intrusive and it was this and it was that. And, and, and that can cause some negative reactions and negative emotions. Um, but change mm-hmm. globally, I think, is inevitable right i think it's it's inevitable um mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think that on a global scale i do get the sense that as people have become more interconnected and i don't think you can deny that globally we've become more interconnected um mm-hmm. both through communication through even economics Politically, you name it, mm-hmm. we're a more interconnected world than we were 30 or 40 years ago. And so because mm-hmm. of that, changes tend to affect more people than they did before. And I'm talking I'm thinking about things like like climate change, uh, you know, how mm-hmm. how 
we all, you know, this is just my opinion. I'm not speaking for anybody else. You know, we all have a mm-hmm. part to play around the world in in how to kind of deal with how the planet is changing. And it's, you know, it's hard to dispute that the polar ice caps are melting, you know, at a pretty astonishing rate. <laughs> um, now, people can argue yeah. about what causes it, but it's you, you can't. I don't know how you can really argue when you see, you know, that there's less <laughs> ice there than there was before and, and things yeah. along those lines. So some people can. Yeah, I know. I know. And I don't again, I'm trying not to be I I, I, I try to be respectful of everybody's beliefs. And, and you know, I may not. Yeah, agree. but come on. Facts are facts. The I, earth is not flat. And so well, <laughs> this is true. Yeah, no, I can't I can't get down with the flat earth idea anyway. But I mean, I just think that that's <laughs> I mean, I think that's almost so silly that I don't even understand arguing about it. But to some extent, you know, you can almost say the same thing about climate change. I mean, it's not like mm. it's not like most scientists say this. <laughs> Every scientist says this. So mm. it, I guess yes. <laughs> when, when you when you look at change on that level, I think it's interesting in that more and more people are affected by global change maybe than they were before, if that makes sense, because we're so much more yeah. interconnected. Yes. And actually, you're the first one to bring up this climate change. I kind of missed it in a way, but yeah, also. And that's also man-made, partly at least. Sure. And yeah, it's a big thing. No, absolutely. And and it's also, you know, all the indications are is that it's not going to become less of a big thing, that as time goes on, you know, there very much is a tipping point, and and I, I sure hope we haven't reached it. Um, but further generations, future yeah. generations, um, you know, I sure hope that they have, you know, that they have a planet that can sustain them. Yeah, exactly. I don't think the, our generation is the last generation that should walk on this earth. I sure hope not. <laughs> yeah. They will be... Happy history teachers in the future saying that they screwed screwed up everything. That's why they got corona and all the, all the different plagues at the same time. The forests were burning and the Amazon was in flames, but they didn't understand. They just still continued destroying the planet. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, I hope that's not the case. Yeah, hope hopefully not. Um. Do you think you yourself, to go back into the personal change that you had, mm-hmm. do you think you have changed in the process during the last year? <clears throat> um, oh, uh, absolutely. I think this this has been a year where, I don't want to just say it flippantly because I'd have to put more thought into it, but I would guess that this is probably in maybe the top three to five years of my life when you, if you were to measure it in, in how my life has changed, um, there's been mm-hmm. a huge amount of change in my life, not just geographically. Uh, you know, that's been a big change, mm-hmm. uh, in, in my job, that's been a big change. The, the coronavirus has been a big change in everybody's life. So that's, you know, a significant, mm-hmm. uh, amount of change. So yeah, no, this, this year particularly has been one of tremendous change. And, um, you know, it, time will tell how well I've navigated those changes, how well that I've kind of dealt with those changes. Uh, I, I hope that I'm navigating them well, and I hope that time will tell that, uh, you know, I, I, I made as good of decisions as I could at the time. You know, you 
you, you can't mm-hmm. tell. You know, th- this is something that you have to look back three, five, ten years and evaluate. Um, you know, while you're living it, it's really hard to be objective about how well you're doing, <laughs> at least for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What do you expect from the future? Well, that's a huge question. Um, <clears throat> what do I expect? <laughs> you don't have to tell the whole future. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like I don't... Some kind of right. things that you think uh, will be happening in the future for you or right. the people around you. I hope that the future for me uh, brings growth, personal, gro- personal growth uh, mostly. Um, I feel like um, I'm at a point in my life just at my age where mm-hmm. um, if I'm going to kind of make big things happen for me personally, mm-hmm. whatever, professionally, whatever uh, I, I need to get on it be- because, you know, 20 years from now, I'm not going to be really in a position, maybe even 10 years from now, I'm not going to really be in a position where mm-hmm. I might have the, the energy, the health, who knows any, you know, life can bring you so many different things. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like I'm at a point where I need to grow. I need to, um, try to determine what my areas of strength are and utilize those strengths to the best of my ability. I'm being very vague, Yanni, because I don't have, <laughs> I don't have a good specific yeah, answer. Yeah. I just, I kind of feel like I'm at a point in my life where, Things have changed a lot, and I need to be um, focusing on my personal growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't have to give details if you don't know about. Yeah, the I just don't have them. Is there anything? Is there anything better than personal growth for yourself? I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's the best thing you can do. Right. For in any case. Yeah, you 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 may have a point there, and it's something that I probably should have been focused on earlier. Um, but I got you know I was so caught up. I'm 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 really good at living in the present, at living in the moment. Right. That's that's something that mm-hmm. comes very naturally to me is kind of living mm-hmm. in the present. I'm not good at all about thinking about the future. I'm not good at planning for the future. I'm not good at projecting five to ten years out. And that's gotten me into some trouble in the past. Uh, and, and so I'm trying mm-hmm. to be better about that. And thankfully, I'm, I'm around some people, uh, my wife specifically, who is very focused on future goals and planning. And so I'm trying mm-hmm. to, to um, tap into that a bit more, even though I, I don't feel that it's an area of strength for me. Yeah, but maybe you can practice yes. this if you don't figure out anything else. Exactly right. Learn. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. No, this is you know I I I, I hope I'm you know I'm thinking back to what you know I didn't get to listen to all of Richard's episode with you and I and I haven't heard mm. some of the other ones yet but I I feel like I'm being I, <laughs> I I I apologize if you were looking for anything that that resembled humor or uh entertainment value because <laughs> i have been neither of i've given you neither of those things yanni i've been a wet sponge i have been nothing but dour and <laughs> uh, boy this this is i hope that your listeners get something get something out of this but at least you're not wet snow that would be this bad. is true or wet bread if we ask see garcia but um 
Actually, I, I wanted to say, now you brought it up, I wanted to say that you have one of the best senses of humor, in especially in the podcasting world. I really like your sense of humor and your jokes. It's a bit pity that people don't get half of them, especially those <laughs> dirty puns that you make in some occasions. I, 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 yeah. But <laughs> well, I, I, I appreciate it, that. Maybe I've got more of a, uh, a Finnish sense of, of humor. I don't know. Yeah, or a teacher sense of humor also. <laughs> there that might there is that as well. There is that as well. I do appreciate that. Yeah, but I really like... There are some other people who have also very good dry jokes, but the other people don't understand them. I'm wondering, I'm laughing alone. And the others don't. But that's how it yeah, is. Yeah, I, like I like to slide my jokes in. I try not to be obvious about... You know, I'll just kind of slip yeah. them in there really quickly. And, and if you catch them, you catch them. And if you don't, you don't, yes. you know. That's the best sense of humor, in my opinion. At I least. appreciate it. Uh, do you have anything else to add to this discussion? I don't know if I've added anything to this discussion this whole time, Yanni. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, 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 honestly, if I've added, if, if I've given you anything, I'll be happy to add more. But no, um, I, I think that uh, this is an interesting uh area of discourse i think it's it's uh, it's really cool that you have kind of um chosen this as a topic i i you know this is a time of great change for i think everybody and sometimes Mm -hmm. it takes events like this if you're going to try to find silver linings out of out of uh difficult times like the coronavirus if there's you know, mm. one of the silver linings you might find is that it might cause people to maybe reevaluate what's important uh to them and um maybe what their purpose is and things along those lines and so it's it's really interesting that you're talking to people about change uh right now because it's a especially important time to be talking about that Mm, I, I thought it would be too early in the spring, but in, during the summer I saw some people quitting jobs and changing things, sure. and I thought that, that would it be an interesting topic for a series. Then I was observing for a while, and then I thought, okay, now there's enough many that I can make some kind of series, and let's try. Yeah. And everyone has said yes so far, but not all have said that they can do it right away. Sure. Yeah, that's the other aspect there's, there's of right what? now is that, that scheduling is even more difficult than it used to be. Yeah, there's only Eric Lang who I haven't been able to reach because that would have been interesting to ask that why did he quit the Simon stuff and went into politics or um, to this different yeah. road, but I can't seem to reach him. He's not reading his messages in Facebook or Twitter, but let's see, yes. maybe he, I catch him. I, I've got to imagine he's he's being approached uh, for a lot of different uh, interview requests, but <laughs> hey, hey, I wish you the best of luck. That would yeah. be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe for another reason he's been approached a lot. But Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. We have prepared a top nine list for this episode, and you chose the top. Prepared might be a little a little strong of a word in my case. Uh, prepared, I think, kind of uh, infers a, a, a little bit of effort. No, I I did choose the topic, and I apologize. I know this was a difficult topic for you. <laughs> yes. So what was the topic of the list? So uh, 
I I kind of went back and forth with different ideas. I originally was thinking of like a top nine of a particular designer, but then when I talked to you about that, you said that you're mm-hmm. not really designer focused, which I think is I think that's an interesting mm-hmm. uh, area of of discourse at some point to talk about. Uh, I think mm-hmm. some people you know are are interested in in you know uh, particular designers or publishers or things, and so. Uh, since that didn't mm-hmm. work, I started to think about thematically uh, what might be interesting. And I wanted to do something off the beaten path a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. one, a particular type of uh, theme, there's a lot of them that appeal to me, but one that, that struck out was things that are dealing with water. Okay, so in my mind, mm-hmm. and you and I didn't discuss this very much, so I'll be very interested to see how we approached this, this theme. In my mind, mm-hmm. I was thinking of things... Like, I, you could go so many directions. You could say, okay, all pirate games could be, you know, water-based. Yeah. You can be, you know, thinking about, like, submarine games. It could be based with water. And all of those are valid. As a matter of fact, I do think I have one I have one pirate game on my list. But I, what I tried to do instead was think about games where the main environment was the water or is the water. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. Whether that was connected thematically at all, oftentimes it's not. Was it wasn't as important to me as to me when I think of the game, I think of it as a game that is based in and around or under water. So that's what I went with. Mm-hmm. I went a bit similar way. I made this short list and I have this Madeira, Nippon, Cooper Island, Navigador, this kind of mm-hmm. games. You said water, ocean, or sea, but I ranked my games according to how much it feels to me that you are dealing something i mean dealing with sea in some way or water or ocean or somehow otherwise okay that it the water is not not just one part of the game but it's a somehow mm, crucial part of the game ah. and i didn't rank them according to which one is the best no game. i ranked them in a way that which uses the theming the best maybe and my first is a bit of a cheat, but you'll hear it very soon. Hey, that's there's nothing wrong with cheating. I mean, bring bring it on. I mean, we, we do the best we can. I, and like I said, I, I know I made a a difficult difficult uh, topic for you. So so I I appreciate you working with me on this. It was difficult to limit it or somehow to what to throw away because there are so many. Things like Lewis and Clark has a river, you move all the way across the river. That would have been fine, but in my opinion, it's just the way where you move. Same with Razas of the Ganges. Both are good games, but is it water? Yeah, too, yeah. Not it, enough. Exactly. Well, that's why I'm going to be interested to hear what your, uh, how you approached this. Well, it was water, sea, or ocean. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. No rivers or lakes. No rivers or lakes, because that was not in the topic. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yep. Um, you said you didn't listen to the Richard episode yet. Not so all of it. Richard began this trend that uh, the guest has to pretend to be Eric Summerer. Oh. <laughs> or rather an announcer. So you get to announce the number that we go into and see if you get his spot as well. Okay. There have been some very good and some... Not so good Got it. <laughs> along the way, but everyone has tried their best and it has been quite good. So we go nine nine eight eight seven seven. You can begin. Okay, here we go. Is it fun? Yeah, yeah. Let's make it happen. All right, All here right. we go. Yep. 
And now, wait, no, does he just, say, no, he doesn't say and now. That's only for number one. Okay, here we go. <laughs> that, that's a good start. <laughs> here we go. Number nine. Okay, so my number nine is a game that I think uh, maybe fell through some cracks. It's a Euro game. And so, uh, by its nature, is generally not terribly thematic. But I do love the theme. I love mm-hmm. the cover of the game. I love how it kind of evokes this underwater, post-apocalyptic world. And those are two things that I really like in game theming. I like the post-apocalyptic element, and I like the underwater element. And this game is called Otis. O-T-Y-S. Have you played this mm-hmm. game? No, I haven't. I've seen the box, but I've never seen even the game. I know the game, though. Yeah, so basically the idea is that it's after this post-apocalyptic event and there are some valuable artifacts that are in these cities that are now completely submerged underwater because of some event of some type. And so what you're doing is you're sending divers down to get these... um, to get these artifacts, okay? And it has this kind of mm-hmm. dual-layer channel board where the divers are these kind of tiles that slide down in an action queue. And so there's kind of almost, I wouldn't call it a programming element per se, but there's a little bit of a programming element and there's some resource management. And and so, again, I don't know how well the, the mechanisms support the theme, but I do think it's a mm-hmm. game that if you like kind of puzzly euro games it definitely has a puzzly euro feel to it that uh, you can probably find it for pretty cheap i don't think it did very well um but uh, mm. i like it i think it's a it's a it's not my favorite game obviously uh, but but i do like it and that's my number nine is otis I I think it looks a bit too light for me. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, it's a, it's a, like, yeah, it's a light medium weight game. It's not a gateway game by any means, but it's it's I wouldn't call it super yeah. heavy. But <laughs> my number nine is a bit lighter, and this is the cheat. Okay. And I have to say this with the backstory. Okay. Uh, I when I, you told me the topic, I asked. Uh, we have a, this. Uh, chat group in Facebook, like in this messenger, okay. with the people who I'm going to the board game club with. I said that I have a difficult topic that Mike said that I have to put this water games, that tell me some water games. They were telling games. I hadn't played even half of them that they were telling. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Uh-huh. And this came up from, from a friend of mine. I think Nico said it. Okay. And this is high school. Oh, it's a bit cheating. It's, it's frozen water, water, but it's in a fin- it's it's in the Finnish form. Yeah, so <laughs> I had to put it. No, I, like I, that. I didn't add any other snow snow games. I'm sorry, there might be snow tales yeah. here on the list. Otherwise, but this, I mean, you're playing inside a school of ice, and we just played it uh, first time with our four year old, like three days ago, I think. No, no, one week ago, and it was so fun. And it's nice to see that she's also able to flick it, flick the penguins a bit. Yeah. And she didn't even become I mean come last in the game. And this is this is a really cool game where you flick the penguins around the around the school and try to collect fish before the is it some kind of catcher or something yeah. who's trying to catch them. So one person is playing the penguin that is catching the others and the others are trying to collect the fish before all of them are caught. It's a very interesting flicking game. And you can make tricks with the 
penguins by flicking them to the head, they are mm-hmm. bouncing, and then if you flick to the side, they are curving, and it's really cool. It's ice, ice cool. cool, yes. So cool. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's that's been one of the more popular dexterity games in the last few years, so. Yeah. Very cool. All right. <clears throat> number eight. So, my number eight, You, you. I think uh, I see your light game, and I'm going to go even lighter. This is um, really primarily... You can, this is one point... This was 1.02 in Board Game Geek. You cannot go lower. Okay, well, you can, you've can. you got BGG up. You can check. This This is probably light, heavier than that, but it's not much. It's almost... A, it really is more a children's game. Um, this is called Ocean Crisis, and this is a... Um, Really cool, cooperative family game. I would call it a family game. Not necessarily a children's game, but a, 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 you can play it with children. It's a cooperative game where you mm-hmm. are trying to uh, clean pollution out of the ocean. So it's got a really cool um, environmental element to it as well that I appreciate. Um, I believe it's a, it's a, a Taiwanese company that, that uh, uh, produced it. And um, mm-hmm. Shepherd Kit is the name of the the design, the developer, uh, or a publisher, I should say. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's actually it's it's light. I mean, like I said, it's a family game, but it's it's it goes beyond kind of the traditional um, cooperative game. It doesn't feel like every other cooperative game out there. It's uh, got a pretty neat dice rolling element to deal with, you know, mitigation of of the um, of the kind of the the events that come up, which are really trash and things you're trying to clean out of the ocean. And it's got some light player powers and it's got some special power cards. And, and it, this is a tough one because I don't know how easy it is to get hold of. Uh, but I think mm-hmm. it, it, uh, it actually does a really good job of evoking theme uh, of this kind of the, the oceans are getting polluted with trash and, and oil and other things. And you're trying to clean the ocean of this stuff. So I really like Ocean Crisis. That's my number eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, does it have any hidden information that you need to read? Hidden information you need to read. Nothing hidden because it's, oh, it's, it's, everything it's, it's a cooperative game. So yes, I don't believe there's anything hidden in this. I think it's a pure co-op. Okay, so it's possible to play with younger than eight. Absolutely. Absolutely. It does eight says eight, eight, so... Yeah, no, yeah, I think you can play... Theming, theming for a game. Yes, I think you can play younger than eight. Yeah. It's a good theming for kids, so yeah. that's why I'm asking. I agree. I think it's great to play with kids. Um, it's also very timely. Yes. Thank you for the suggestion. You got I, it. Put a arrow there that I have to check it out. Fantastic. Um, my number eight has the water... Mostly in the title. That's fine. It's Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea. Ah, you know what? I almost chose yeah. this, but I didn't. I almost chose this. Okay. This was the... I, I had to pick this because otherwise I couldn't have decided between the others on the list. <laughs> I picked this because it has it in the title. Okay, fair. And there's not that much sea, but you have. You might have sea paddles and you move along the sea with the boat. Mm-hmm. Uh other than that, that this is really convoluted. <laughs> um, how do I say? Not to be, not to be taken seriously. Game. Right. It's a popcorn game, yes. like Mike coined the term. <laughs> I think. Yeah. And you cannot play this seriously. No. You do not want to play this so that you count points. No. It will last five, six, eight right. hours. Otherwise, right. just play, have fun, 
Go with the flow, and it's perfect. I couldn't have said it better. That's all about the game that I have to say. I could not have said it better myself. I agree 100%, obviously. Uh, I've said similar things, and I'm glad to hear that you you feel similarly. It's not a game to min-max. It's not a game to worry about knowing every other person's power. Give me a break. Just play the game. It's silly fun. It's not trying to be anything other than that. And uh, if you play with the, uh, I think it's the Pestilence expansion, then you have more water involved because you've got those, yeah. the, I think they're the mer people basically, and, and they've got their own little water board. So that's cool. I almost went with it, yeah. but I, I didn't. I'm glad you did. Yeah, but I mean, if you min-max it and you play it, let's say with six people, it will be minimum six yeah. hours and no one can do no. that. It's not that kind of no. a game. It's not 18xx that you want to sit at the table that much you just want to have fun and see what silly things happen that's happens. exactly it and that's, that's it. exactly right nicely done all right thank you <laughs> number seven okay so for number seven i went with a ryan lockett game uh of red raven games mm-hmm. i went with Islebound, which is a um you know it's a game that's based on the water you're 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 moving your ship across the this ocean world that Ryan Lockett has created. And it, it has a kind of some similar mm-hmm. mechanics to Above and Below, uh, where you are kind of exhausting your crew. Each crew member is going to have particular powers, and you exhaust your crew. You move them from the top deck of your boat to the bottom deck of your boat where they're going to rest. And you are trying to kind of uh, you you can there there is some type of combat, but like many of his games, there, it's pretty abstracted combat. Um, and while it's not my favorite of the Ryan Lockett games, uh, I do enjoy it, and I think that uh, it does a good job of kind of uh, putting you in this ocean world. And I love the art; uh, that mm-hmm. certainly plays a huge role in it. But um, yeah. I, I, it's it's not one of his most popular games, but I do like it quite a bit. So that's my number seven, Islebound. Do you know I haven't have not played any Ryan oh. Lockett games? I think I have Empires of the Void two on the shelf, but I just I haven't had any, and I haven't had possibility to play. Any, okay, I think I'm not sure if I've played some smaller games of his, but none of these bigger ones. Right, it's interesting. Yeah, I don't know why. Y- because they look cool and they seem like I would like them, especially near and far I might like. Yeah. Islebound is actually even more interesting to me than the others. Well, I mean, I don't know yeah, I mean, I don't know if any of them on, are on Tabletop Simulator, maybe. You can try them that way, although I do think it would lose a little something. I, I do think that the aesthetic and the components of these games do play a role in them. Um, but mm. you should try. You should try one. I think if you try any one of the big box Ryan Lockett games... You'll get a sense for how many of them play. I do think, though, that Empires of the Void and maybe City of Iron are a little more outliers. They're maybe a little heavier than mm-hmm. than the other games. Mm-hmm. I think uh, both Empires of the Void and City of Iron are a bit heavier than uh, Islebound, Above and Below, Near and Far, Ancient World even. Um, but yeah, you should try one. Yeah. Um, didn't he make this two-player game? Or was it two-player game? This Haven or something like that. That looks really interesting. No. No, is? actually, Haven was Alf, Sie- uh, Alf Siegert that did Haven, but he did the art. Ah, okay. He did the art for it, and it came out in Red uh, Raven. Yeah, ah, okay, okay. Now, he did do a small... It seemed so similar. Yeah, he did do a small box game recently called Rome, um, but that's almost mm-hmm. an abstract. 
So mm. uh, while I like it, it's a small box abstract. All, All right, right, here we go. My number seven go is. Ahead, sorry. My number seven is also. Uh, are you at six already? No, you're right. Yeah, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm losing my mind. You didn't even give me your seven. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my number seven is also a bit abstract, but this one is a game where you have your own player board and you pile nice plastic pieces of different colors on top of it and you look look at it from above and whatever you see there tells you that how much points you score if you choose a certain card and this is reef oh and gotcha yeah yeah this doesn't really feel like water to me but <laughs> it's reef so it has to be in the water and i really like the pieces and this is much deeper than it seems it says 1.84 mm-hmm. in board game geek but we already know that that is not correct and especially if you play in two-player game it's nice because you can plan in three it's about the perfect tightness probably in four you can't really plan because someone will steal your cards anyway right and have you played this by the way i have played reef yeah and i wouldn't even have considered this that's but but you're right the pieces are called coral i mean it's definitely a water themed game Yeah, <laughs> it's it in the sea. You said That's sea. That's fair. The, and ocean. Very fair. That that the, not I didn't go with the water that much as sea and ocean, um, but yeah, this is really really good gateway game or very very like easy to approach mm-hmm. and lightweight game. I think it came with sa- same time with Gizmos and they kind of ate the audience from each right. other if I remember right. So half of the people chose Gizmos, half of the people chose Reef. If they came in following years, they would have more audience and more uh, people who liked them a lot. I agree. I also and think Reef lost some... Uh, I think Azul also cut into that a bit too. Yes. Yes. They all came in the same yep. year. Kind of same year. So it's a very, very interesting timing. But this is a, a bit underappreciated maybe. It's much deeper and better and quicker and it has more options than people generally think when they see the I game. think that's true of a lot of uh, Emerson Matsuchi games. They they on on the yes. surface they seem very very basic and almost like is that all there is to it? But then like like mm. uh, Reiner Kanitsi is another uh, designer I can name that's that way that you read this this one page rule set and you're mm. like this can't be all there is and then you play it a few times and you discover <laughs> yeah. hidden depths uh, speaking of water you discover yes. hidden depths that you didn't see on the first play. Mm, yeah, and I have to add that this, the art in this game is by this Chris Williams, who is master of color. He also made the art in Goimbra. Ah, yeah. His use of color combinations, it's it's so good. I really like how the colors match each other, and it's so vibrant. Yeah. That I just have to add. No, that's great. I didn't realize it was the same artist. That's fantastic. Okay, right. here we go. Number six. So my number six is my one, uh, let me double, double check here. Yes, my one pirate game. Could have gone for a lot of different things, but I went for one that's maybe, um, maybe this is getting a little cult of the new, but, uh, and I want to play it more, but I do think it does a great job of mm-hmm. evoking a, a watery world theme, and that is Forgotten Waters, uh, the, the, the most mm-hmm. recent plaid hat game. And this one has a really heavy storytelling element. I would say that if you are playing this game looking for a tight mechanical experience, like you're really into the mechanics of a game, then this may leave you feeling a little bit flat because there's not 
a whole lot of mechanics involved, but storytelling, um, theme evoking, uh, it does a really good job of that. And, and I think it also very much leans into this, uh, you know, pirate world. And so I think a lot of games try that and not many of them actually mm-hmm. pull it off well. But Forgotten Waters is uh, a really, really cool experience. One that I want to play more because I haven't gone through the whole kind of campaign yet. But um, mm-hmm. I think this is one that the timing of it has been rough because this is a game that is best played with yes. multiple people around a table. And it came out right really before Corona hit. And so, you know, there's a lot of these these um, people that are there, there are a lot of these posts on social media. What's the one game you want to play when you can get back around a table with friends? Uh, that's Forgotten Waters for me because uh, I don't feel like I've mm-hmm. played it in its best form yet. Yeah, I was going to comment that exact thing that if it came, let's say, two years mm. ago, I would have immediately right. bought it and tried to play yep. it. But <laughs> this year, mm-hmm. no. N- not a chance that I'll buy the game and let it wait. Let's wait first <laughs> for other things to end and then get the it- game. But yes, this is really interesting game to me. I think that there was something missing in Dead of Winter and I didn't like the theming of Gen 7 at right. all. But this seems to do it both like in a way that I like it and I'm waiting to get this yes. played at some point. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah. My number five, I'm sorry, my number six is probably a game that you have no idea about. <laughs> I don't think anyone there has played it and this is Coral Reef. Hmm. It's a kid's game. Okay. And this is by this Finnish um, company Tactic, okay. who are making also in UK. I think they have the UK branch. Anyway, this is a kids game. There's a it's a puzzle where you have pieces that have uh, sea in them, and then it's on a coral reef because the name is Coral Reef, and there are different fishes or items like there can be a statue or a crab or a seahorse, and you make a puzzle. And then you open two cards at the same time, and you are supposed to find those two. It's like this I found it thing. But you're uh, competing who finds them first. Two different objects from there. And if you find them, you get a, get to choose a fish. Or this, They have these very small toys. There are fishes and seashell and something like that. Mm-hmm. And then there's also chests. And this is really good game with the... Uh, daughter at least we've played since he was two we haven't played it for a while but it seems that i've locked 19 plays of this it might not be all of them but right <laughs> i've played this quite a lot and we have only played with the easier side if you flip it around the tiles there are lots of plants and everything and it becomes really difficult and even for adults it's a bit difficult you can play with the kids easy like if it's a two-year-old right. kid like we did i showed the cards first and i asked that can i can i can i and like are you ready in a way that when and she said that she's ready then i looked at them and then we competed and we were quite equal actually huh. and this is really good good kids game in my opinion and you can play it with adults also because it can be difficult yeah that's awesome if you like this kind of a game yeah no it sounds really cool yeah, it's one of my favorite kids game that I've played so far. Hmm. And it's great. It's also Finnish, so. <laughs> yeah, so you got that going for you as well. That 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 is cool. Yeah. 
It was originally actually Moomin Jungle Adventure was the original game of this, and this is re-implementation of that. Ah, okay, awesome. And so, was the original game also a water theme, or? No, it's Moomin. Do you know Moomin? No. Ah, Moomin are the Finnish characters. This, it's a troll. I'm sure you've seen it. You have to have seen it. It's worldwide. I must have seen it and just not heard it. Not heard it yeah. called that. Yeah. Yeah. It's Moomin in English, and it's they have the similar jungle adventure, and this is remade. Ah, okay. This coral reef. Hmm. Okay. Cool. But listeners, listeners know what Moomin are, so it's fine. Gotcha. That's that's yeah. You they'll know what you're talking about, even if I don't. But that's all right. Yeah. I'm used to I'm yeah, used I to podcasting so. with people where I have no idea what they're talking about because I I, I podcast with Dan most often. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <clears throat> Number five. Okay, so my number five, I could have gone in a couple of different directions. I originally was going to put the card game version of this game, but then I did go with, because I think the card game version of the game does a better job of evoking the theme, but I think the dice game version is a better game. And so I'm going to go with Fleet Dice or Fleet the Dice Uh. Game. I um, want to play this so much, but it's impossible <laughs> to get. It's not in yeah. Europe. I'm annoyed. And Eagle Griffin is really difficult to order anything from because the delivery here is 50 euros and oh. I'm not paying them prices. Nope, I don't blame you. I do know that they're, re, they're reprinting it, but I don't know if it's going to make it any yeah. easier to get in Europe. Uh, I yeah, hope but it does. even in the Kickstarter with that or Mercado de Lisboa, which both I would have packed, it was about 50% of the price of the game was the Ugh. shipping added, like 20 euros for the game and you add 20 euros for the shipping. It's ridiculous. I'm uh, not paying them prices, really. I, I don't blame you. That's frustrating. But yeah, I played the card game first, which is a good card game. Um, I, mm-hmm. like that, I like that uh, designer duo of Pinchback and Riddle. Uh, I, I do like their card games, especially. But then... Um, the dice game is one of the best roll and write, uh, one of the best roll and write games I've played. It was, it was my number one, uh, roll and write game for a while. And that's since been supplanted, but it's still really, really good. Um, and it obviously, you know, is, is based around fishing, which is a, a, you know, a watery theme, this fishing theme. Uh, Other games have done fishing themes also, but I do... Uh, I just like this game. If you like a, a roll and write that's got a bit more going on, a bit more, um, you know, opportunity to, to string combos together, uh, which is something that roll and writes tend to do well, I think Fleet Dice does a great, a great job at that. So uh, my number five is Fleet the Dice Game. I was actually thinking the card game, and then I was, uh, it had to compete with Captains of the Gulf. So I just ruled them both out because both have this, just this fishing. They have so similar feel, both yeah. of them. Okay, I haven't played both, Captains both of the Both are Gold. really good. It has a solo mode by um, by the designer, Jason Dinger. He ah, put the files okay. to board Game Geek. I've, I've actually played it solo and I don't play solo games. Interesting. And the solo mode works quite well. Okay. It's well done. I will keep an eye on that one. And it's a good game. If you like Fleet, it has so similar feeling, but it has oh. a board and a bit more things going on. A bit right. more things going on. Sure. Okay. All right. So my number seven was Reef, six was Coral Reef, and the <laughs> five, ha- five has to be... Uh, coral. No. Reef Encounter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the Richard Reese game. <laughs> yes. Okay. I played yeah. this... Oh, 
I, I played this only once and I really liked the mechanisms. It was, um, how can I say, it was very, very well done. It, you had to do things in a certain way, but in a different way. <laughs> I mean, how do I say? In the beginning you feed if you want to feed your fish and then at the end you do the end the end of the turn things and in the middle you can mix the things that you do mm. and you have these corals on the board and there you can put this i don't know the right terminology for this because i'm not a native english speaker but there are these worm like things that you can put there on the okay. polyptiles and the polyps become corals and then when they are corals then you can eat them with the fish and when the last this worm thing is eaten then the game ends and it's actually very interesting. So you are a fish, but you build the coral for your Got fish. Got it. Okay. And it's like Richard Breeze has these very strange mechanisms in some games, but this he was does. very good. And I can't wait to play this again. Actually, the whole group that I played it with liked it a lot, and they want to play it again. And I have something with this What's Your Game. I have almost all of their games. Ah, okay. I just like what they do. I don't know what it That's is. That's interesting. I think I, in the United States, they don't they don't distribute that here. Uh, I think I think somebody else distributes... Uh, it's uh, it's R&D there. Yeah, that's I right. Think. R&D. Okay. I yeah, haven't I played ha- it I have the, yet. I have the old version from What's Your Game. It also seems to be Quinet Games and Zeman Games mm-hmm. have published this. Okay. Yeah, it's one I would definitely try because, like you said, a lot of times Richard Bree's games are a little bit weird. Like some of the mechanics just <laughs> seem odd, um, but they're almost always interesting. And, you know, I've played a lot of the key games and, and the, the key games are always weird to me in that I always really like certain aspects of them. And then other aspects, I'm like, I just wish he had kept this part out. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but uh, I would definitely like to play Reef Encounter. And he doesn't know how to write rules usually. No, <laughs> so no, 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 he does not. He does you, not. You, you can say the things a bit easier. But this yes. was interesting. I read the rules. I was like, what am I doing in this game? <laughs> and I play one round. Ah, this uh-huh. is how it goes. This is very cool. Like Keyflower, like key for example. It's right, the right. same way. You it read is. the rules and you don't understand anything until you play one round. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly it. Yeah. But this is a game worth trying. I think you might like it. Yeah, I would definitely try it for sure. Number four. So, uh, Yanni, we haven't had any crossovers as of yet. And Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that we're going to have many, but I have a feeling my number four is going to show up on your list. And it may, we didn't really rate these by how much we like them. Um, but, uh, or, well, I kind of did <laughs> actually, I did kind of rate them by, I did kind of rate them by how much I like them. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't know that you did. I think you were saying you did yours by how well they evoked the theme. Also a bit how much I like them. Oh, okay. I couldn't put well, the most thematic game to the top because I like it the least on this list. <laughs> I couldn't it. Okay. put it not the number one. I have a feeling that uh, this would be a game that you rate highly, uh, but it's it's uh, underwater cities, Vladimir Suchi, mm-hmm. um, and uh, might show up. It might show up. Yeah, I had a feeling this one might show up on your list, and I have a feeling it might be number one. But um, I think underwater cities uh, is you know kind of another Vladimir Suchi tight as a drum Euro game that gives you an incredible feeling of satisfaction when you're able to pull off some smart moves. Uh, I really like the. Um, you know, the simplicity of the system, but the decision space is immense, right? You, you, you have a, mm-hmm. a really nice wide decision space 
within a pretty tight rule set, at least, you know, compared to some of these other modern Euros where complexity uh, takes, you know, the, 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 you just throw system on top of system on top of system on top of system on top of system. And yeah, I enjoy some of those, <laughs> but Underwater Cities isn't really like that. You know, it, it's it's yes. more in the line of his other games that, that are, you know, relatively simple rule set, but a nice crunchy decision space. So I really, uh, I need to play Underwater Cities more. I've only played it a couple of times, uh, but I like mm-hmm. it quite a bit. So that's my number four. What player counts have you tried it? I've played it solo and I've played it at... Three. Well, I'll say a bit later. But I like that Vladimir Suhi has this kind of games that they seem complex, but like this Reef Encounter I talked earlier, it mm-hmm. still works very well. Yeah. And he's doing it very well that he makes with small decisions, they don't become convoluted, but they become meaty. Right. It's a bit same with the Pulsar 28, whatever the number is. Yeah, yeah, it's the also Pulsar 2089. It's, yeah, it's a bit similar. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, I really like his stuff. My number four is Abyss. And mm. this, I haven't played it for a while. I have the expansion. And mm-hmm. since I got the expansion, I haven't played it because I got it from the German Amazon. It said uh-huh. English, but I got German... <laughs> And oh no! I had a bit of a problem to <laughs> get the files, but someone someone in board game geek sent me the files. I mean the nice. scans of the cards, and now it's done. But I want to get this to table soon. It was on the table. I mean the box was on the table two times already when we had friends over in the summer. Ah. But it just didn't get to the table. Willingness took too long, and what was the other game to play? I don't remember what the other game was. It also took too long yeah. to play with them. So. Mm-hmm. I couldn't play this. I read the rules just recently, and this is a great game where you have a board. There are uh, cards that are different councils of fishes. I mean, mm-hmm. they are in the council from different types of fishes, and then there's these lords of those types of fishes, and you summon the lords, and then they give you special powers, and if they have keys, then if you have three keys, you can build up, I mean, attach them to uh, this area, which is under the sea area. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this game really reminds me every time I see this game. And if there is some word called under in similar proximity, I get this Ariel's (laughs) under the sea playing in my head. Now I've had it playing in my head three hours because that's when I opened the file where I have the list. So thank you for (laughs) this a lot. And it's still playing in my head. I want to sing here that under the sea, but maybe not (laughs) in a, in a, in a broadcast. But anyway, this is also a game that I wish more people played. And they came mm-hmm. up with a very nice looking anniversary edition just recently. And yeah, I want to get true. the Levi- Leviathan expansion also. I only have the Kraken. Got it. And okay. This is great. And they had this very cool idea that I haven't seen any other game do. They made five different color boxes. Right. And all the boxes have different uh, type of guy. I have mm-hmm. the purple myself. I don't know which one is the most popular but the purple seemed cool but it's so scary yeah no, <laughs> they're, they're all they're all cool covers yeah they they represent yeah. the different uh, the different factions or races of it yeah it's it's, it's yes. very cool all right all are right. we are we good for three yep all right number three so my number three is a um a game that is the highest cooperative game on my list i have a 
couple of cooperative games on here, but this is the highest cooperative game on my list. And this is, I'll say specifically because I've only played the second edition, uh, Atlantis Rising. This is Mm -hmm. um, a really, really good uh, cooperative game. It, it, It features basically, it's a very, very simple system that predominantly is built around dice rolling, which can be problematic if you don't like randomness. But there's a fair amount, uh, quite a bit amount of mitigation. It's much less random Mm -hmm. than it appears when you first read the rules or play the game. Uh, It's also quite difficult, but it never feels unfair. And I think that that's a really delicate balance that not every game is able to pull off. So this is a game where... When you lose, you oftentimes feel like you are just on the edge. And when you win, you always feel like you're just on the edge and you very easily could have lost as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's just a a really beautiful game. It evokes the theme well. And uh, I think it doesn't outlast its welcome. It plays in a perfect length of time. Uh, I think... Mm -hmm. You could have an alpha gamer situation, but that, you know, I don't think that's a problem of the game. I think that's, you know, group dependent. Um, and so the exactly. second edition of Atlantis Rising is is a really, really good game. Yeah, I'm waiting to find it uh, secondhand because the MSRP is a bit too high, in my opinion, for a game that I haven't played and I don't really like co-op games that much. But if yeah. I'll find it secondhand, I will get it and try it. This is really interesting to me. I had the first edition in my wish list for a long time. Then they came up with the second edition, and the price was a bit high, in my opinion. But I'm still it, very interested to play this. Yeah, and it is high. Now, I will tell you, the component yeah. quality is through the roof. I don't even have the deluxe yes. version. I have the the original version. And it's. I, yeah. I thought I had somehow gotten the deluxe edition. I'm like, this isn't the deluxe edition? Because it's ridiculous. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was just going to continue that Elf Creek made a great job with this game, and if they keep this quality with the games, I don't know, there will be one of the new Days of Wonder. Yeah, I'll tell you, I've got the new, um, I'm I'm right now actually playing, because I'm going to be reviewing the solo variant of Honey Buzz, Mm -hmm. their new game, and it's also Mm -hmm. through the roof component quality. Okay. I heard about some other Elf Creek game, I think it was in Corner to Corner, while Tom is talking with Rado, that Rado had some game there on the table some dancing thing or do i remember i don't know oh, if i remember right you know you know it, i it bet you're right May, May. I, I bet it's merchants of the i yeah i backed dark, it. It's a dark, Kickstarter dark something yeah right? yeah merchants i'm hoping dark something i'm hoping that's just as good merchants of the dark road or something i i'm i'm backing yes, that yes, so i yeah, hope yeah. it's good yeah i heard rather talk i was watching the older ones that i missed and that when i was yet watched yesterday so it just came to my mind that that's related to this publisher so that's my number three, Atlantis Rising. All right. My number three is also Atlantis. But in this one, you try to survive while you escape. And mm. this is survive escape from Atlantis, if someone ah. didn't get it. <laughs> yep. Uh, this is older version is Escape from Atlantis, I think. or I don't know which one is the earliest one. This is 82. I don't know. This is the one that I had marked as I've played it. So... Got it. Which which is the newest one? I think it's yes, Survive Escape from Atlantis. I think is the newest one. Yeah, it seems that the first one was Survive Escape from Atlantis. Then it was Escape from Atlantis, and now it's again Survive Escape from Atlantis. <laughs> that but may very well be screwing me over. Yeah, oh, this very this well may be. <laughs> 
anyway, this would have been the most thematic water-wise, because you have to swim in this one, but I don't right. like the game as much as I do these others. But I had sure. to put it higher, and it's actually interesting, it's on the same Atlantis spot as yours. Mm-hmm. That is funny, yeah. And here there is a, uh, like an island, like mm-hmm. Atlantis, and then it's sinking, and there are sharks and some other sea monsters that try to eat you, and you're trying to get your meeples to the coastline to the safety with the boats and your meeples have a number at the bottom when you do the setup you put a certain number somewhere and if i remember right you're not allowed to look at them after the setup i think that's and true then you have to get them to the safety and at the end who has the most points uh, written under the meeples wins the game and this is so mean game <laughs> but is. You, this is again do not play it um, seriously no. otherwise you won't have friends. If you play with four <laughs> people, you have three less friends after this game. So mm-hmm. don't do it. Just Correct. don't take anything seriously. Just nope. play for the fun. It's quite funny and short and quick and plays well, but I don't like it that much because of the stabbiness. And you can. Right. It, there can be a situation where two players can stab one player, and it feels like. It might feel that um, one person is the target. It's worse to me than. Alpha game gamer problem like, like you said, and both are group. Depending on the group, that becomes a problem or not. If exactly. one is the target, or or if one wants to alpha game, the other group is the one who lets it happen. So, yeah. But I yeah. agree. It's not my favorite Survive, game. In the escape world. from Atlantis. Yeah, it's a good choice yeah. for the for the theme, but yeah, it's not my favorite game either. All right, here we go. Yeah, I said. Same for me. I've rated it six, so it shouldn't be on the list, but it has to be. <laughs> okay. Way, I forced you with this theme. I forced you. All right. <sighs> yeah. <clears throat> number two. So my number two is a game that um, I was, the first time I played it, well, first of all, I was interested in it just because of the theme uh, and the box cover and the, the what I had heard of the mechanics. It's not a heavy game at all. It's actually a very quick, relatively light card game, and that is Aquatica. Um, this mm-hmm. is a game that uh, I've been kind of championing, and, and not just me. It's, it's now part of uh, the Dice Tower Essentials line. It, it, it started as a Cosmodrome game. That is, a, They're a Russian mm-hmm. publisher. And I was also interested in it because of them, because I like Smartphone Inc. so much, which is also by them, mm-hmm. although it's a different designer, if I remember correctly. Um, but Aquatica yeah. is a very simple, very, very simple uh, card game where you are kind of, you have a player board that is representing the ocean depths, and you acquire cards that you put in this slotted board, and as you move the cards up, you have to take a particular action to move the cards up, you're exploring the depths of the of those cards, and they give you different actions that can trigger combos. There's two different um, uh, kind of economies in the game. There's a power, and then there's a gold, and you're using them to gain characters that give you more powers. Um, you're basically, everybody is playing a character card that allows you to do something, and then there's one card that allows you to bring all those characters back into your hand, and then you keep going. Um, again, super quick. You're, you're kind of trying to achieve goals and, and do the trigger these combos. But uh, it looks gorgeous. It plays super quickly. It allows for some neat combos and, and kind of tableau building. That's not exactly tableau building, but at least temporary tableau building. 
Um, mm-hmm. And you have to take an action to score the cards, which I think is nice, too. They don't just automatically score. And so there's a little bit of a tension in, am I going to be able to score all of these cards that I fully, um, you know, I, where I fully explored the cards, you still have to score them. So a really good game. Uh, Aquatica is my number two. Yeah, I'm so sad that this was sold out in Spiel when I went to their booth. <laughs> they had everything sold out already. And now I'm waiting for the English reprint. I almost ordered a French version of this game just this week, beginning of the week. Oh, wow. But then I thought that maybe it's coming from Arcane Wonders to Europe soon also. It yeah. There are a bit of delay between US and Europe currently. Not as much as in the spring, but it will come at some point. Yeah. The English version is available already, but... I'll wait. I will buy this. I will make a blind buy because I wanted it last year from Essen and I couldn't get it. Yeah, I And right. I trust you and Tom. And it seems much better than the other Z game that came last year. This deep, deep, deep sea, what it is called. Uh, from Days of Wonder. From which one? Deep Blue. Oh, Deep Blue. Yeah, Days no, of Wonder. That game, deep Blue. That game yeah, was, it was, seems was, a lot better. It's a hundred times better than Deep Blue. <laughs> So that's not your number one, I tried to face it. It is not my number one. It is not. <laughs> didn't make my list. All right. <clears throat> oh, really? I didn't play that, but it seems so random. It's just, it's fine. It's okay. Yeah. I thought Aquatica might be your first one, actually. Oh, okay. Interesting. I was looking at the water games, but... And I was annoyed that I haven't played this one. Now I don't have any idea what your number one might be. <laughs> Ah, okay, good. I have no no idea what your... Oh, I do know what yours is, but that's okay. I want to hear what your number two is. Now I'm thinking that I should swap them around. Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> so my number just, two just to mess is me Underwater Cities. Oh, that's, that's, that's awful. Okay, that's fine. Come at me. Go ahead. That's good. <laughs> Formerly number one, uh-huh. but now it's number two, Underwater Cities. Have you played the expansion? I have to start with this. I have not played the expansion. The expansion is... Uh, something that makes this game a rating of 10 to me. And wow. I've only rated um, this expansion and Gloomhaven a 10. I'm not giving 10s. Really? I give 9.5s, but I don't give 10s. The expansion is perfect. It's uh, like like Prelude does to Terraforming Mars. It mm-hmm. makes it like a jump start. But the expansion, there is a module that, uh, first of all, the assistants have differentiation. They have different skills. That you mm-hmm. get to your place. And you skip the first round. There are tiles. You choose one of the tiles. You get some resources and some buildings and something. And you skip the first round. Oh, Effectively, like it, it gives you a jump start. And it takes away the boring, useless first round. Right. Where you just try to begin building. It's a perfect module for that. There are mm. other modules also. But only for that module, it's, it's like a very, very, very good expansion. And this game, we play two-player with the wife, and it's it's really, really good with two. I wouldn't play it with four ever. Yeah. But especially without the expansion, I would never play it with four. Right, But I, I would play with three with the expansion, because it makes it faster. And yeah, this would have been number one. It is number one in <laughs> the list that I will make later on uh-huh. in writing, but I'm swapping Correct. now so that... I got you, just so you I can mess use me up, my I last have no idea what your number one is. Okay, good. Yeah, I have no idea what your number one is either. Okay, well, here we go. And finally, number one. All right. So, my number one, you should know what it is. And do you know why you should know Mm -hmm. what it is? 
It can't be sight. If it's sight, <laughs> I'll call, it's I'll not call foul. It is not it's sight. It's a third strike if it's sight. No, 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 it's not sight. The reason why you should know it is because it was already on your list, Yanni. Um, my number one is Abyss. Uh, Heroes of Land. Uh, no, no, really? Abyss. You yeah. like it? That's I, why you were silent. I thought that you uh, don't like the game because no, you didn't say anything. Ah, no, I love Abyss, and, and I especially love it with the uh, with the Leviathan expansion. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, this, this game uh, was a game that from the first time I saw it, I was interested, you know, just on an aesthetic, thematic level. Yep. Um, and I tend to really like uh, Bruno Cathala games as well. And um, I remember getting it from uh, Gen Con the year it was released, and I was just over the moon excited. And it's a game I've played many, many times. I still enjoy playing it. Uh, I, I really do think that although it's essentially, uh, you know, a card game, the, the board is, is nice, but it's pretty sur- superflu- uh, superfluous. You don't necessarily need it. Mm. Um, it's a game that I feel has just a perfect weight. It takes a perfect amount of time. It has a perfect level of interaction. It's just, I, I think it's a mm-hmm. really elegant game that looks gorgeous and... Um, no, I, I absolutely love Abyss, and I do think that the weakest element of the game was that monster track, and that that really gets rectified with the Leviathan expansion. So um, I just I I, th- I agree with you in that. I think that this is a game that should be an evergreen title. This is a game that should be still played in 10, 15, 20 years. I don't know if it will be. I hope it continues to stay in print. Um, but I think that this... This is a game that was hurt when it was first released because people expected it to be something that it wasn't because it was this big mm-hmm. box game with this very yes. imposing looking cover and people were expecting a heavier game and it's not. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a relatively light to, to, to light medium weight card game, but it shouldn't be judged on what people thought it would be. It should be judged for what it is, which is a brilliant yeah. card game. Yeah, I also, like you, this was a blind buy to me. I saw and read that they are coming with five different these faces in mm-hmm. the cover. I thought, I'm buying that. I didn't even look what kind of game it is. Then it came, I read the rules. Uh, this is a bit light. Then I played it and I thought that it's good. Then after a while I thought that I'm selling this. But then I thought, that, no, this is excellent. I want to play this again. I mm-hmm. played it another time and I'm keeping it now. <laughs> I mean, after that. Right. I, after one play, I thought that it's too light, but it was up to the group that I played it with. Then later, we played it with our friends, and I mean, with my wife and our friend couple, and that was really, really good. And yeah. It's a bit up to the people you play it with. It is. But yes, I agree with you said, with everything, except that I still want that Leviathan. It was sold out when I was about to buy it, and now I just didn't buy it yet. Yeah. Good stuff. So that was my number one. Oh, that was a surprise to me. I thought that why you didn't talk about it. <laughs> I was purposely keeping my mouth shut. Uh, but that I should have understood from that. <laughs> yeah. So you have no idea what my number one is. I, I really, I don't, I don't, I really don't. I have no idea what your number one is. Uh, the number one is because you had this sea and ocean thing in the. Mm-hmm. Theming and this is, in my opinion, a very, very underrated game. It has only 1.6 thousand ratings in okay. Board Game Geek. It should have a lot more. And if you haven't played this, you can go to yukata.de to try this. And this is Transatlantic. Ah, oh, okay. Games. So this is like a thematic Concordia, and it's thematic only because all the cards in the game 
are different boats and the boats have the name and these are real as far as I know. There are names on the cards of a boat, then how fast it goes and then the year it's made, the population it takes and the tonnage that it can carry cargo. And it really feels like you are putting, I mean, at least to me, of course, not to the people who say that Eurogames have no team, but the, it feels like when you get the boat, you put it to the sea and it goes to the front of the sea and the slower boats are uh, rusting and going away. And there are different parts of the sea where you can put the, uh, put the boats and then you do, of course, there is this card rondel with same right. as in Concordia. It, mm -hmm. it maybe doesn't feel like that, but this totally feels like an ocean game, at least to me. Because there are different oceans and you put the boats to the different oceans and they go do things and carry cargo or passengers and when they are new, they are new and you can take Titanic also, but there's no icebergs, unfortunately or fortunately, but I mean, the theme comes through in my opinion, a lot more than in Concordia maybe, Right. <laughs> at least. Have you played this? I have not played this, but... Uh... I just I don't know that I've even been around it being played, so I, I would definitely give it a shot. I, I've liked uh, the Matt Gertz games that I've played, so I would definitely give it a shot. Now, this is this is very underrated in my opinion, and people wanted more from this. I remember this was released in 2017. I saw it before its release, and people mm -hmm. were waiting for it to be released, and I was uh, following this page. I mean, it was in my wish list before it was released, so I saw the earlier uh, images also and the discussions in the forums, I was waiting for it to be released. And then people were a bit disappointed, and I don't know why it didn't get any, like, I, I don't know, it didn't get any bus or anything. Huh. But maybe because this PD were like, they have this Concordia and Navegador, which was also in my shortlist, Navegador. Right. Uh, they have this huge box size, and Transatlantic comes in a square. Mm. So maybe people, some people can be annoyed by that. Yeah. I, I don't really know. Yeah, but you can say. try it in yukata.de if okay. you haven't tried it also, if you're listening to this. It works quite well there, actually. We played one time there this summer. And it worked quite well. Hmm. And I want to get it to the table again now after playing it Yukata. in Yukata. It's been a while. This yeah, is not yeah. the best game on the list, but it gives me the most, not second most, because this was number two. <laughs> but right. Um, yeah, hmm. it had to be on the list. No, it sounds sounds good. That's that's a good. You did you did well for a very difficult topic. I think uh, I think we uh, I think we both did well. I think there are some interesting. And I like the fact that there's not a lot of crossover too. I, I, we we had pretty yeah. distinct lists, so I know that you like to have your uh, audience vote on the best list. I'm very much looking forward yeah. to the results, and I think that they're going to have two very distinct lists to choose from. What do you think of your chances? Will you win? Um, I think the fact that we both have underwater cities on there helps us. I think you, there may be people... Also. And we both have Abyss also. I think that might be the defining factor. I think because the other games, I think, have their own charms, but I, I now that I think about it, I think really it's going to be do people like Underwater Cities better or do they like Abyss better? And I think that that might... I don't know your audience well enough. If your audience is more into heavier <laughs> games, then you will win. If the audience is more into midweight games, then I will win. We'll see. My audience don't really seem to comment. I'm, I put the voting with Richard just yesterday mm -hmm. and 
Uh, I put it to Twitter, and you cannot put a poll in the same post with a picture. So I put ah. a picture, and I replied with a poll, and I just mm-hmm. wrote to the poll that uh, which one, we are hot wizards or me, and people are voting the hot wizards because they don't read the post that it's in relation to. <laughs> so it's a bit it. annoying. But anyway, I don't care yeah. about Twitter that much anyway. It's right. A, yeah. It's it's everything that Dan Hughes says it, says it being. <laughs> it is indeed. And... It's actually interesting that Underwater Cities was your number four and my number one. Abyss was my number four and your number one. Ah, so they switched the places. And both it? of us had Atlantis on the third spot. <laughs> that so is it's true. actually quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. They're, yeah they're, 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 like I said, they're very, I think that these are two nice, distinct lists to choose from. Yes. Yeah, and I really want Aquatica and uh, Fleet the Dice came from your list. I um, can't wait to get them. Yeah, I'll be interested to hear what you think. Especially if Lead the Dice game is a heavier roll and write. I'm a bit bored with the light ones. Then the you moment, also so. should keep your eyes out for uh, when Hadrian's Wall releases from uh, Garfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really need... If, if you like... It's... it's Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it's the new one. Yes, right. I have seen your pictures. You remember when I said yeah, that, I, that, that, a, that I've got a new favorite roll and write game that, that's taken over from Fleet Dice? Okay, that's that. I don't want okay. to give anything away. I'll but. send. <laughs> I'll actually send email email to Sam because I'm also interested in Raiders of City, or maybe it's better than the uh, Raiders of. If North it's, if you're talking just base game, then yeah, Scythia is, is better. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, because he actually, I sent him I sent him email that is it possible to get Paladins as a review copy. He said that I would love to. I send you this Kickstarter one, and you get the architect also. Oh, oh. okay, thank you. Shem is a fantastic <laughs> he, he, person. He really yes. is. And I was just asking that is it possible, and I can pay the shipping and everything. He just sent them. Ah, oh, okay, thank you. Yeah, no, Shem <laughs> is Shem is so. actually just a legitimately great person and a good designer too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it seems so. And he was very polite in replying and so kind-seeming person that mm-hmm. I'll ask about this Hadrian's Wall also. It looks super interesting to me. Yeah, it's it's it's, cool. it's it's the crunchiest uh, flip and right, you know, whatever, roll and right that I've played, so. Mm-hmm. That's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, thank you. Do you want to add anything? Uh, no, I just it, it, I, I, I appreciate the invite, and uh, I hope that uh, I hope that our lists give people some some if they're interested even in a little bit in underwater theme games. Hopefully, this gave them some things to think about. But I, I do appreciate uh, being asked to come on, and I enjoyed our chat. Oh, thank you for coming. It's a pleasure to talk with you. I've been listening to you so much in Sporadically Pod, especially that it's good to finally get to talk to you. Although we did talk that one time about Feast for Odin in that <laughs> Spobo chat. That is true. We did. Once. Yes. Did you get to play that Norwegians yet? I still haven't had a chance to play it yet. No, I can't wait to, but I have ah, come on. I know. I know. It's yeah. too many games, man. Too that's, many that's games. Your, that, that's your future plan. There you go. If you don't have another one yet. <laughs> there we go. We'll make that. So, we'll, we'll put that on the list. <laughs> All right. Uh, where can people find you if they want to find you? Well, uh, the the easiest way is just to, to find me on the Dice Tower. That's pretty much where all of my uh, uh, current content there is. It's just find me on the DiceTower.com or go to YouTube and, and look up Dice Tower. I still have my solo mode games channel 
that is uh, on YouTube. If you're looking for solo playthroughs of games, you could check that out. Mm-hmm. I've got, I don't remember how many videos I have up there. It's been a while since I've put one up, but um, that might be of interest. And uh, yeah, that would be, and sporadically bored, of course, with Mike and Dan. If you, uh, any, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts, if you want to listen to a podcast that uh, rambles for an hour and 45 about anything but board games and then maybe gets about 10 or 15 <laughs> minutes of board games in there, you might enjoy that as well. Yeah, you would have never been forgiven by Dan if you forgot that part. That's true. I almost and... blew it. I mentioned it earlier, <laughs> but I'm glad I got it in there at the end. Yeah, that's good. And you talk about podcasts more than you think that you do. We but do. Yeah. We do. But people should listen to you for the discussion and for the personalities, not for the podcasts. I board tend games to agree. Dif- in different places. <laughs> this is true. Anyway, thank you for joining and bye-bye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. You can find this podcast from SoundCloud with username Mitapelataan. You can also find the podcast from Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Should be in Amazon Podcasts also at some point, And it should be found anywhere you listen to your podcasts. You can find me from Instagram and Twitter with username Mitapelataan. There's a page in Facebook, Mitapelata. And you can just search by Mitapelataan and you should find me from many places. I have a blog, mitapelatan.wordpress.com, where you can find information about this channel and all the links to related media. You should be able to find me from YouTube as well by searching mitapelatan. You can send me email to mitapelatan at gmail.com. There's also a guild in Boardgame Geek number 3321. Interact in any way you can, comment anything up to you, but interact with me please. And If you listened this far, please leave a review, subscribe so that people find out about this podcast. And one more time, thank you for listening and bye bye. The music used in this series was Nightwalker by Sensent Pulse. Thank you for that.